0: Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life, I'm Katie Sewell. Tis the season for colds, if you like my new voice. It's also the season for tipping. This show is a lot of work. It's a part-time job for both of us. That's right, 20 hours a week or more. And beyond that work, we need to purchase new equipment in 2020. Equipment that's going to make communicating and taping across an ocean easier. As you know if you listen all the time, Tiffany is in Rome and I'm in Seattle. That adds a whole extra layer of difficulty to making this show. Then there's hosting fees, editing software, new microphones. It all costs money. You tip your hairdresser, your barista, your server, your cab driver. Don't forget to tip your podcaster. We're working really hard to make something special in the hopes that you help pay for it. Make a one-time donation at thebittersweetlife.net. On your browser view, you will see a yellow donate button or... Become a monthly supporter at patreon.com slash thebittersweetlifepodcast. There are links in the show notes. You tip your bartender. You tip your massage therapist. Don't forget to tip your podcaster. We're here every week, and we count on you to keep this show going. Thanks. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And it is nearly Christmas time. I know. I know. It's so exciting. Are you prepared? Uh, not at <laughs> all. <laughs> not
1: at all. I just actually got a few Christmas presents bought, but I'm, I'm way behind, terribly behind. And yourself?
0: just about the same. But you know, it's not about the gifts, right, Tiffany? It's about the holiday spirit. It's about it's about the magic, the magic of Christmas, the possibility of the holidays, right?
1: Yes. (laughs) But for kids, it is very much about the gifts. That's true. But yes, you're right. It is also about the magic. I agree with you there.
0: The tripping of little reindeer paws on your roof. I guess you're in a condo only one floor up. So I guess there won't be any reindeer paws on your roof. Are they called paws? They're called hooves, Katie. Yes. No reindeer hooves, no jangling (laughs) bells
1: no we have the we have the bells oh yeah we have the bells claudio does the bells every year
0: oh that's nice i like that we talked about my friend kirk who passed away but he used to do this like beautiful magical thing for his kids he was a fireman and so he had those big fire boots and he used to leave these sooty footprints from the fireplace across the living room to the tree and then a whole bunch of city footprints around the tree and then another trail back over to the chimney that's adorable <laughs> that's adorable
1: i love stuff like that i know
0: so cute yeah i
1: saw something on twitter or instagram it was like a video of these kids had set up a cam you know like a nanny cam underneath a tree But the dad knew about it. The kids were still in that phase when they're like, does Santa exist? Does he not exist? Does he exist? And the dad was like, yeah, let's set up a camera and see if he actually exists. And then the dad dressed up. And you could only see his feet, though, because, you know, the camera was down low. And he walks in and, you know, he's got the suit on his feet and he's got his boots and he's moving the presents around. That's great. It's so cute. (laughs) I love that. I
0: love that. Don't you think that, for me at least, one of the things I miss about being a kid is that sort of sense of magical possibility that was often so present in the winter time. Mm. It's not like you didn't feel it in other times because your imagination is so vivid as a kid. But something about winter time. Mm. It really did feel like there was a magic in the air or like a crackle like a, a possibility. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And I was actually raised not believing in Santa. So it wasn't because of some visitor that was going to come by. But even still, this wonder and magic. And I don't know that it is just about the presence and stuff. So I don't know. I thought we could explore that a little today.
1: I feel like I was definitely raised believing in Santa. But I don't have any recollection of when I stopped believing. There's no like switch that I have in my mind. So either I never believed or or sometimes I think I still believe in Santa, to be honest.
0: Oh, How so?
1: I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I just think Santa's real. I just don't want to give up on that dream.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. My family, my parents mainly did it uh, not so much for religious reasons, but because they wanted... Us to know that the presents were coming from them. Yeah, they didn't want some mysterious creature to be bringing Presents to us. They wanted us to know that it was because they love us that they were buying us things I see but so that was why but it wasn't like we didn't engage in the play of santa Okay, even though we didn't really think santa was coming. We would still Leave the cookies out and you know all the things that were culturally fun about santa. Okay. It was like another game You know, it's just another imaginary tale Now, that said, I do think that we humans have the possibility to spin a little magic from time to time and make these things feel like a possibility. I recently unearthed this old radio story I did, and I thought it would be kind of fun to listen back to of a big, huge escapade that I undertook to try to make something about the Christmas season a little bit more magical. Oh, that sounds good. Let's hear it. When I was an 8th grader, I was in shop class like all 8th graders were. And mid-year, a new student transferred into my class. My big hulking shop class teacher pulls him up in front of the class and is like, Hey! Listen for a second! This here is Jeremy! And I don't want anyone of you screwing around with him! You better be nice! I don't know how it is now, but at that point, when I was a kid, middle school was probably the coldest place on earth. Jeremy's just mortified, and everybody, of course, had no intention of being nice. One morning while I'm eating my Rice Krispies and Wheat Toast, I'm reading Reader's Digest, and I come across this story of an old woman who is baking cookies anonymously and leaving them on the doorstep of her lonely neighbor. And I thought of Jeremy. Except I thought of Jeremy on a very grandiose scale. I don't think I would have been satisfied just leaving cookies. I had to make a production of it. Christmas is three weeks away. Why not create a little magic? And why not make a little magic for somebody who doesn't know anybody? All the more reason to. Who would you possibly expect? Uh, So I elicit the help of two people, my friend Rachel and my teacher, Mrs. Carlsberg. Carlsberg helped with the logistics of everything. And Rachel helped with the follow through. We staked out the house like a couple of warriors, you know. Where could we possibly hide? What if they open the door here? Okay, strategically, you'll stand here, I'll stand here. Hmm, there's that big front picture window. They could obviously be looking out through that, and that would blow the entire thing. What if the curtains were open? So we dressed in long, tan trench coats, matching, with these hats pulled down across our faces. So even if they did see us come up, besides the fact that there'd be two, like, short, miscellaneous sketchy looking detective type characters on the front porch what could they possibly expect right so the first night we were so blessed though because the window shades were drawn and we left our package and we left a note we'd written It said jeremy we are so happy that you're here love santa's helpers we put it down on the mat we rang the doorbell and we ran you know ran and jumped in the car we're like go 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 like you know we're gonna be killed or something we continued to do this every single night, every night, for three weeks at least. There was a reciprocation. Uh, one night when we went, there was a package on the front doorstep that said to the Santa's helpers, what's up, from Jeremy, full of like candy and, and whatever else. I don't even remember. But I was so mortified that he would know that it was me because I said what's up to him all the time like all 8th graders don't say what's up right <laughs> did it affect him in any way i guess I, I i don't know that um it seemed like it did it seemed like because he didn't know exactly who was leaving the packages that he became more open to everybody uh a little bit more outgoing a little bit more friendly that could have been his personality. That could have been the Santa's helpers. But either way, I kind of hope that the whole experience was just memorable and magical. We ended up going to the same college. And we were sitting talking. And I was just dying. Just dying to to prod at it a bit. Being like, so, um, anything ever interesting happened to you around Christmas time? That kind of thing. <laughs> um... But I didn't. I really resisted. I really resisted. I wanted it to remain a secret. I really hope he's not listening. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) We kept it a secret for so long. Nobody tell Jeremy if you know him. Please, nobody.
1: I love that, Katie. You know what I love the most about it? (laughs) I've heard your voice on the radio a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, This podcast and many of the radio shows that you've done. And... I love this because you sound so excited (laughs) as you tell this story. You sound so enthusiastic. It's something that I don't hear from you as much. Mm. So I'm actually like curious when you taped this and what it was for.
0: Okay. I originally made it for the show Weekday, which is what I was the senior producer of when I was working for NPR. But the interesting thing about it is I was a relatively new on air personality at that time. And I had been having a lot of trouble reading copy, because it's a learned skill. It's not easy to do. You have to get used to sounding like you're not reading. And I was not great at it yet. Remember uh, a few episodes ago when I think in the episode listener when I was talking about how when you're having trouble reading copy, or you're trying to train to be on the radio, they tell you to pretend that you're talking to somebody mm-hmm so that story sounds so much like I'm telling it to somebody but I'm not I'm alone in a room telling that story to somebody <laughs> to myself that's crazy because it really does sound like you're sitting with a friend yeah so it was like kind of a breakthrough interesting side note we played that as a part of I forget what the bigger theme of the show was but we played that on the air and prior to this the host and I had gotten in trouble for telling personal stories on the air (laughs) (laughs) and uh, after we aired this story my program director who might listen to this show actually to the bittersweet life (laughs) so hi he called me into his office very angry with me and said I warned you about telling personal stories and if you do it again you're fired (laughs) yikes and I was angry about that because I disagreed that personal stories didn't have a place on this show where we were inviting people to tell their personal stories. Like we were asking listeners to tell their own personal stories. Yeah,
1: it wasn't like it was a news show.
0: No, it was sometimes. It was sometimes, but in this one, it would have been like a Christmas storytelling program. So what was the harm? Anyway, so I get angry about this, and I think revealing part of your personality, especially at certain times, is what makes people really love the show that you're making. Yeah. So I called a nationwide show. And I played it for them, sent it to them. And they agreed to air it. And they aired it that weekend. And it was a show that aired on my station, which meant not only did I tell my personal story on the air, after I got warned that I would be fired, I made sure it was told on the air again. Oh my gosh,
1: (laughs) you are so brave. I would never have been able to do something like that.
0: Well, I figured I couldn't get in trouble if a national show wanted to play it. You know, it's out of my hands. I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose so. So that's a very unmagical background. And
1: what happened?
0: Um, nothing happened. You know, no, no big deal. They didn't care. All no, right, well, didn't hear it. Didn't care.
1: Who knows? And did you ever... Tell Jeremy? Well, no, yes. I want to talk about that, too. I'm still back on the story of the original airing. Did you ever tell another personal story and get... F- well, I know you didn't get
0: fired. I think that the that whole perception loosened a little bit. I don't remember telling a lot of personal stories after that. But it wasn't like we never shared anything about ourselves again. So it's possible that 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 was just the thinking at the time that personal stories should not be shared. And like anything, radio has trends like it comes and goes. And yeah, and one thing that's called fashionable this year is sort of out the next year and so it really does ebb and flow what is considered okay right I don't know I don't remember how that all. so
1: let's let's talk about Jeremy let's
0: talk about Jeremy
1: do you know beyond the letter that he sent to you
0: what his reaction was to all of this no I have no idea nope whether or not he knows that it was us has never been revealed. Oh my gosh. So, I have no idea. There was one time, there was one time when we almost got caught. It was actually a, one of the times when I was alone cuz you can imagine that you're doing this with a friend, but if you're doing it for 3 weeks, I mean, that's a massive commitment. It is. <laughs> you it know, is. Especially in 8th grade when your parents have to drive you or mm-hmm. your sister has to drive you. I think my sister drove much of the time. And of course, 3 weeks is also a long time as far as how do you get away with it for that long <laughs> when the family knows you're coming. And they just got faster and faster at, you know, getting to the door. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the only time I can remember almost getting caught was I wasn't out of the driveway yet and the door opened, but luckily their car was parked in the driveway. And I just dropped to the ground and rolled underneath the car. Are
1: you kidding me, Katie? (laughs) Like you are hardcore. I cannot even believe this. Mm -hmm. I mean, I do believe it because I know you. (laughs) And I know you're the type of person who would do this. Like, where's this major commitment? This is going beyond just like, a okay, I'm going to be nice to this person. I'm going to like do a random act of kindness one time. Yeah. It's like no i'm in this for the long haul yeah it
0: was also complicated too because this is a person that i didn't really know yeah and and so if you have to get three weeks worth of gifts little things i mean i'm an eighth grader my budget was probably like a dollar a day right but you can't give them chocolate m&ms every single night it's gotta it's gotta change it up (laughs) The only one I remember, the only gift I remember giving, which I believe was the very first one, was an actual mini Christmas tree that had blinking lights on it. (laughs) That's the only one I remember. Wow. You know what makes this even better? If anybody really wants to try this, years later, and believe me, you don't have to do it to like some kid in your school because most of you listening aren't in school anymore. I think it's almost better if you do this to a random stranger. Because then it is completely magical. There's no way that they can figure out that it was you. Yeah, No way. They can't. You don't exist in their world. And I remember one year I was house sitting in Bellevue, Washington, which is a suburb of Seattle. It's it's not really a suburb. It's a whole other city, but it's near Seattle. And I didn't spend a lot of time in Bellevue. Certainly never lived there. So I didn't know any of the neighbors, but it was Christmas time. And I would take the dog. I was house sitting out for a walk watch the people in their front windows with their Christmas trees and their families and this and that. And every single night there would be a woman sitting in the window reading a book, an older woman, just alone, quiet house. And I decided I'm going to leave something randomly for that woman. I don't remember what I gave her, but I did the whole thing. I wrapped it in like very fancy paper and I put it on the front stoop and I rang the bell and I ran with the dog up the street and disappeared. And of course, never know what comes of it because I don't know that person. I didn't get to see her pick it up, nothing. (laughs) So it's just sort of a random, I remember you telling me this. Yeah.
1: And I was just thinking about it when you said, it's really great to just do it to a random person who doesn't even know you. And I had a memory of the story, but I didn't actually remember if it was you or not. I was like, who was telling me about... And then you started to tell the story. (laughs) And it was you. And again, that doesn't surprise me. I wish I were as naturally altruistic as you, because I don't know that I've ever even thought to do something like that. And if I did, like if it were me who had done this thing with Jeremy, and then I had happened to be in college with him years later, there is literally no chance that I would be able to resist telling him that it was me. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm just not as selfless as you, I suppose. Not that I would want credit, but I would want it to come full circle in a way. I'm not as good with letting things stay mysteries. I like things to be solved. Mm. I don't like a mystery that, like, I hate it when I read a book and it ends and you don't know what happened. Like, I hate that. I have to know.
0: Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Would it bother you even more to know that it's not like I never encountered Jeremy still today? <laughs> Maybe he listens to this show. <laughs> he might. I am a little concerned about that, actually, because it's easy to miss something that flies by on NPR. But if you're listening to a podcast constantly... The cat's out of the bag.
1: Well, Jeremy, if you're listening, you have got to write in and tell us what it was like from your perspective, receiving these gifts as a middle schooler who was new. We got to hear from you.
0: Yeah, maybe it was a horrible experience. Do you think that's possible? No, no, I do
1: not. I do not. I mean, the only way I could think it would be horrible would be if he was so insecure and so, you know, I don't want to say paranoid, but you could for a minute think maybe someone's doing this to mess with me mm-hmm. maybe they're doing this to like make fun of me sure but I feel like that might happen once might happen twice but it wouldn't continue and it, it wouldn't be such nice things you know <laughs> like candy and a Christmas tree I actually do remember I was someone's secret admirer once Ooh, I've never told this story
0: <laughs> please tell who was it oh my
1: gosh it was my freshman year in college <laughs> um <laughs> I had a boyfriend by the way uh who i was crazy about but this was a totally different thing because this was an unattainable thing so i developed a crush for one of the school's conductors Mm. he was a teacher he was a professor and he was the conductor of the wind ensemble i did not play a wind instrument i was a singer i had no way of knowing this guy he didn't know who i was my roommate was a flute player he was her conductor and she she would tell me about him and how and how handsome he was. And, and then I saw him and I was in, we were in an elevator together and I developed a, this crush on him. One day there was a poster in the elevator advertising a concert and his name was on it and I put a little heart by it, like a 12 year old. Mm-hmm. And one of my other friends who witnessed this or had seen this or something or knew about it said that she had rode the elevator with him and he'd, she'd been there when he saw it and he was so touched by it and so moved by it. I think he thought that it was one of his students to just being sweet, not like some girl who actually had the hots for him. <laughs> I just forgot about this until like this moment. But I took this all the way and I started leaving Hershey's kisses in his teacher mailbox. It was very easy to do this secretly because the main building of the school, this is New England Conservatory of Music in Boston, the main building was open until midnight so that the students could practice. So all the practice rooms were open, but the teachers weren't there obviously at that time. So, you know, there was like a mail room with all the teacher's cubbies and and I left a rose for him once. I left him, I left him notes. I left him love notes. They weren't love notes, but they were like one line. You're like, they were trying to, I was trying to capture like a mix between romantic and sexy, I think. Mm -hmm. I hope I pulled it (laughs) off at 18. I don't know. And then I think I think I just got bored because I knew that I was never going to reveal myself because he was this grown man. He was probably married. I don't even know. But I'd like to think that he was very flattered by it and that he was very intrigued and wanted to know who it was. But I don't think he could ever have known that it was me because he didn't know me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. It's almost, it's almost equivalent to the, to doing it to an absolute stranger. Yeah. That's kind of lovely, though. Don't you wish that you could still, you had crushes like that, where you could just drop uh, little notes off in people's cubby holes still? Well, you know, (laughs) the thing is, I think that
1: that time, that kind of innocent pre-technological time is sort of past. I don't, I think that if, if your Jeremy story had happened today, I think They would have just installed a camera outside, you know, just out of curiosity. They would have been like, okay, let's put in a camera. Or they would have found a way. It would have been so easy. Like the things that we have today, they give us great opportunity, but they also take away some of that magic that you were talking about.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I don't think an 18 year old today would think to leave notes in her crush's mailbox. I mean, it would be, you know, she would be stalking him online, right? (laughs) Like it would be different. And I think that that's one of those sad things. And it makes me happy that I grew up before all of that.
0: It's funny, actually, when you said that, and this is not magical in any way, it's more creepy, but there was this one guy in my sophomore year dorm in college that I thought was pretty cute. And for whatever reason, me and my board roommate, decided that we were going to just try to figure out as much as we could about him without ever saying anything to him. Yeah,
1: that's creepy. (laughs) That's creepy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was. We found out a lot. It's amazing, actually, just like overhearing and our mailbox was right next to each other. So you could see what kind of mail he got.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's freaky. But it's so much easier now to stalk someone to like, actually, yeah, like, it's so easy when you think about it. I mean, I think about my I think about us on this podcast, like anyone could know all these total minutiae of our lives and that's kind of scary it used to be that you know if you wanted to find out about someone you'd have to like go through their trash you know it would be it would be difficult mm-hmm. Today, all you have to do is like go on their Facebook page or listen to their podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but we could also think of that as magical rather than creepy, I suppose. It's all about how we look at it, right, Tiffany?
1: You know what? I think it's all about intention. Like what is the intention of the person who is collecting this information? If you were doing this purely just out of boredom, that's not too bad. But if you're doing it because then you want to impersonate that person, steal their identity, you know, <laughs>
0: that's that. <laughs> That's that's not so good. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily I never want to do that. So, just to end though, when you when it comes to Christmas since it's just a few days away, and for those of you who celebrate other holidays, there I mean there's plenty of magical things about all the winter holidays. Is there a particular time or thing that still gives you that spine tingle that you would have had as a kid today? I love
1: on Christmas Eve sitting in front of the tree with the lights out. Just just that moment, it's just that few moments before you go to bed when, you know, I just remember sitting with my sister and being like, it's almost Christmas, you know, it's tomorrow, it's coming, it's almost here. And again, I don't remember if that was when we believed in Santa, when we didn't, it's hard to imagine a time when I still believed, truly believed. But just that moment, whereas it's like, you're really living in the moment. One of those few moments of the year where you're like, sitting there and you're savoring that moment, those last few minutes before you go to bed, knowing that you're going to wake up and it's Christmas. That to me is probably the most magical thing. Yeah. And I think that when I get there, when I'm in that moment, that's when I actually still do believe in Santa. It's so wonderful to have a small child who totally believes because you kind of totally believe when you're with them, you know, because their belief is contagious it's lovely. It's lovely. But I also love the the actual religious part of it too. I love reading the Christmas story. Uh, I try to read the Christmas story every Christmas, like the biblical story. That also gives me a magical sense. I remember going to a Christmas service in a church the night before, and I loved that. And I loved singing the Christmas songs. And I loved hearing the actual Bible verses. To me, it's it's every bit as much about that as it is about Santa. I love both aspects. It's like I'm equally down with the the Nativity story and the Santa
0: story. Yeah, I was thinking that too, that Christmas Eve is one of the only times people go into a church really late at night. There is something about, especially in Rome, <laughs> uh, being in a place like that so late into the night, just the candles and oftentimes Christmas Eve services get quieter and quieter as they go along many of them end with silent night, at least in the United States. So it kind of brings you down to this peaceful darkness, right, and Mm. a lot of them are candlelight services where all the lights within the sanctuary go out and people are just holding candles, they're singing quietly, it's very dark outside. I love that. And it's about to tip into Christmas time, like it's actually gonna hit midnight and tip into Christmas. And that moment, and the service is out and I walk outside, and it's that middle of the night quiet is one of my favorite times of the year. And I think that kind of the peacefulness of that one moment is um, some like religious scholars call that the thin place, which is like the place where the, you know, if you believe in heaven and earth, like heaven and earth are the closest, it's almost like as if you could just reach your hand out in the sky and punch your hand into heaven you know like that's how close oh my god you're giving me the goosebumps that's how close it's unified at that at certain moments is the idea and in that moment on midnight christmas eve is when i get the sense of that feeling the most that the thin place is here and that it wouldn't be impossible for santa's sleigh for instance to just zip across the sky or to reach my hand into heaven and shake hands with my grandparents or something like that oh i love that that kind of
1: stillness. Oh, I I do, too. I do, too. That's, a, that's beautiful.
0: You just gave me the goosebumps. All right. <laughs> well, should we leave it there? I think so. I think that's a good place to leave it. All right. Well, Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy New Year, everyone. Yes. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about our New Year's resolutions. Yep. We're going to be doing the annual New Year's resolution show. We're going to find out how we did last year and what we're going to plan to do in the year to come. Mm-hmm. We'd love to hear your stories about that as well. Did you accomplish your New Year's resolution this year? Did you fall off within the first couple weeks? What happened to you and what are you planning to do next year? You can email us bittersweetlife@mail.com. You can also find us on all social medias at The Bittersweet Life Podcast. Tell us your story and maybe we'll share some of those, some of your resolutions and really hold you to it during that resolution show. Yes, what she said. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, if I don't talk to you again, Merry Christmas, Tiffany.
1: Merry Christmas, my friend. It will be wonderful. Christmas with a little kid, I got
0: to say, it is super fun. Yes. Alright, well until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. 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 And a quick reminder, don't forget to tip your podcaster. In 2020, we need to purchase new equipment to keep this show going. Software that will make communicating and recording between Italy and the United States easier. This show continues only with the support of the listeners who love it. There are links to our Patreon page in the show notes, or visit the BittersweetLife.net and donate through PayPal. Thank you for your support, for helping keep this show going. Don't forget to tip your podcaster, and happy holidays.
1: One more soap and sleigh, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way, oh what fun it is to ride in a one more soap and jingling, 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 (coughs) jingling, open sleigh, hey!